Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The U. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. It's a cane thing when we walk through. With the U ain't no bark, dude. Straight dog when we bring the fight. Ain't scared of no bright lights. Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes beat writer for The Athletic. This is Wide Right, and today is Tuesday, September 28th. We're recording around 2.30 p.m. Today I'm joined by ESPN analyst and former Georgia Tech running back Roddy Jones. And Roddy, first of all, thanks for coming on and doing this with me. I love having you on the show. You're one of the best sources, the best analysts uh, of college football, in my opinion. And it's it's always pleasure when you get to come on and talk football with me. So thanks, first of all, for that. Well, thank you for the kind words. And I always enjoy chatting, Manny. So uh, I'm happy to be on. Well, look, you and I talked at the ACC Media Days, um, you know, kind of what our expectations were. Everybody's like, well, you know, it's going to be Clemson and then somebody from the Coastal, right? And now we are four weeks into the season and Clemson is two and two. The offense looks like a disaster. Um and Miami and North Carolina are also two and two. And they were the two teams that everybody thought, OK, they'd be at the front of the line in the coastal division. So I guess first off, how shell shocked are you by what we've seen so far? I mean, I'm pretty surprised, man. Like when you talk about like you were to talk worst units in the league, like offense, defense, special teams, worst units like it's Clemson offense. And Virginia's defense, and it's like not even close after that. Like that, that's that's the list. And if it, for both of those, I would have been surprised had you told me that in the preseason. M- much more surprised about Clemson's offense than, than Virginia, but that's only because what Clemson has been on offense and what they had coming back. So, so I, I'm I am pretty surprised by what we've had going on. The ACC. I just want to prepare ACC fans and. You know, you're going to be the butt of a lot of jokes, a lot of Pac-12 jokes and all this stuff, because there's no obvious college football playoff contender. Uh, But it is going to make for a really fun year in the ACC. It's going to make for a year uh, that that is going to go well into November, not knowing who's going to represent each side in the uh, in the ACC championship game. Well, Roddy is calling uh, Thursday night's game at Hard Rock Stadium between the Hurricanes and Virginia. And a pretty important game, I think, for Manny Diaz from the from the perspective of it's been a rocky start to the season. There's a lot of people calling for his job uh, after just 28 games who look at this defense and say, hey, this is the guy who built them into a great defense. Where are the results? Right. He's taken back the reins of this defense and they've underperformed. Obviously, Rhett Lashley's offense hasn't played very well either uh, against three FBS opponents, but. I think the defense is really what Manny Diaz, you know, is what he's made for, right? That's what he does. He runs a defense. You would expect Miami's defense to look a lot better with all the veteran players that they had coming back. And so 
People are like, look, man, he's been in charge of this defense since 2016. He's recruited these guys from the get-go. Yes, he wasn't the head coach the whole time, but the guys on defense, at least, are his responsibility. How shocked are you by how badly they've performed on that side of the ball? And what do you think of, of, of what Diaz has done here and, and, and all the things being said about him that he's not the right guy for this job? I am very surprised at where they are defensively, especially how they're tackling, because tackling is such a reflection of of coaching and preparation, like teams that are coached well and prepared well tackle well generally they figure out a way to do it and and a lot of tackling and tackling well is being unselfish it's not wanting to end up on on sports center because of a big hit it's it's being in the right place doing your job over and over and over until the ball gets to you and then bringing a guy down when you get there and a lot of that's technique and again coaching and having done it through reps so so i am surprised by that um, in terms of, of people being dissatisfied with him, I am not surprised by that because, look, Miami fans are, are quick to jump to the we need a new coach. Like in terms of the fan bases that, uh, that that will fire a coach quickly, uh, Miami's got to be up there in the league, maybe in the country. So without the level of success that he's had, uh, I think you you arrive there. And the other thing that's happened to Miami in the Manny Diaz era that does not sit well with Miami fans is there have been some embarrassing moments. Like the Duke loss and the Louisiana Tech loss are embarrassing moments for Miami. The Georgia Tech loss that same year is an embarrassing moment. FIU. <laughs> FIU is an embarrassing moment. And then, like, even as they've improved and gotten better, last year was really devoid of them. I can't really think of any. Oh, the, the North Carolina game last year. Right. It's an embarrassing moment. And then this year, Miss, uh, Michigan State runs the ball all over you. And, like, everybody knew Alabama. So that was that was a little embarrassing, but not, like, overly so. But then you get the Michigan State game. And, and while getting run over by Michigan State, with how good this Michigan State team we now know is, it's not in and of itself something that is embarrassing, but you get like the Gervin Hall clip coming out of it. That's all over everything. And, and like this is a proud fan base that's just not going to sit well being the butt of jokes. So even though like my, Manny has no control over what Gervin Hall does in that moment when he goes to take on the block instead of tackling the guy right in front of him. But it does reflect poorly back on him because he's the head coach and Miami fans just they they don't do embarrassment well. And uh, and there's been a bunch of embarrassing moments in his tenure. Yeah, I really think more than anything, that's what's burned Manny. And, and look, he's 16 and 12 through two plus seasons. Um, and he brought up how, you know, sometimes you run into bumps in the road. Right. I mean, I, he wasn't expecting some of these guys that are veterans to be letting him down the way that they have. Right. I mean, Gervin yeah. Hall has started 17 games at Miami, uh, played more than any defensive player on the field this season. Um, you know, DJ Ivy missing, you know, missing tackles and, and blowing coverages. Those are guys that have been in the program for four years. And, and I guess that's ultimately what the fan base complains is the biggest indictment. But Roddy, you, you know, we all here in South Florida, we only focus on, on Miami. You've seen other programs struggle. Dabble Sweeney went six and seven in his third season at Clemson before he yeah. got things right. Can a team get to this point with a head coach and struggle in year three and still end up, I mean, outside of Clemson? I mean, is, is, is this, I guess, in other words, is this common that what we're seeing with Manny Diaz and his team, or is it rare? Like, were you expecting better results with what he had coming back? I, I expected better results. Um, 
I don't think it's uncommon, though, mm-hmm. to answer your question. Uh, and, and there's sort of this fine line that you have to have. Like, you have to have standards to appease your fan base. And that often means moving along, moving away from coaches, um, moving away from coaches that have not achieved at the level you thought. Because Mark Rick did not leave the cupboard bare at Miami. Now, I think there is a there needed to be a an attitude adjustment within the program, and some of that is just the like culturally where you're getting these guys from in South Florida. Like you are having to combat a lot of stuff with all of the players from South Florida that go and play across the country and go to the league. Everybody thinks they're going to be that player because they played with, you know, this guy that went to Alabama and was a first round pick after three years. So I should be the same thing. Not realizing that when that first round pick went to Alabama after leaving South Florida, they were, they were bottom of the depth chart and had to earn every single thing. They had to practice every single day. Like it was a game just to earn playing time there. So when they got to the game, like it's easy, that level of competition hasn't quite quite been there yet. Um, but the other thing you can't do is you can't get in this hamster wheel where you're churning through coaches like a Texas. Mm-hmm. Like how many transition classes are you going to have in a five-year period? Because anytime you have a coaching change, there's a transition class, which you may get some good players out of it, but that's not, that's, that's not a, a full recruiting class for that coach. So to be honest with you, like whether you think Manny's the guy or not, he needs to be the head coach there for, in my opinion, at least after the season, two more years. Because then at least you have four full classes that he's been able to bring in. And then the next guy can capitalize and, and, and improve on that, on that, uh, on that talent level and, and, and improve the coaching level if you think that's the case. But get the players in the program first. That's the hardest thing. So get them in there and then let the next guy benefit. But now, like with the transfer portal, like you have a coach and and you may get half the roster. Leave. So you, there's just so much of it that I think you have to manage. It's not uncommon, though. Look at Clemson, like 08 for Dabo. He's his interim year. 09, he goes to the ACC championship game. 2010, they have a losing record. 2011, they're a top five team that loses two straight games to unranked teams, including one of my Georgia Tech teams. 2012, they get bl- the doors blown off of them by West Virginia. In 2013, 14, they couldn't get over the Florida State hump. So, like, it takes time. The thing that you saw then was sort of that constant improvement. And when they got knocked down, they weren't going to rock bottom. And that's what Miami has to avoid in a season like this. You took your bumps early, but finish the season strong and get some momentum. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What can you appreciate, though, about Manny Diaz? Because right now I feel like everybody's just centered on the flaws, right? 
I, I personally think, you know, one thing that that makes him potentially a good head coach is that he addresses things quickly, right? Like he made the changes with the offensive um, strategy after year one, when he saw Danny, you know, didn't work out. Uh, he hit the transfer portal hard to get a kicker and a punter. Um, you know, he, he saw the special teams issues they were having. He did that. He's gone out and he's filled needs at positions that they, you know, defensive end, for instance, getting Jalen Phillips, getting an elite pass rusher. Um, I think he's, he's tried to address it. And this year he's put the defense on himself, right? I got to get the defense right. Um, but I think so much of the fan base has already just given up on him. Like, they're just like, he's not it. The players aren't developing enough. Um, can you see through that? Do you see through things that make you feel like Manny Diaz is the right guy for the job here? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Here's what fans, I think, need to realize. So often coaches um, either are too stubborn to admit they were wrong or they are not confident enough to change things in a way that makes it makes them vulnerable or, or, or take the onus on themselves. Um and, and and or too stubborn to even make a change. Manny has done that. Like the Dan Enos thing did not work. And and by hi, by firing Dan Dan Enos and hiring Rhett Lashley, you admit it. Like I was wrong with that hire. Having Blake Baker run the defense for two years and then taking it over. I'm putting this on me at this point. Like this is where I've made my bread throughout my career, and I'm putting it on me at this point. And so I like that attitude of it. He has improved the level of recruiting, objectively improved the level of recruiting and the five stars that he's gotten in and the two quarterbacks that he's gotten in. Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia look like they are both hits. So obviously in the, in the years that we're in, like one of them probably transfers out, but you still have a guy that you think you can win with going forward. And the other thing, he is in his third year of a job that is that was the first time he's ever done that job before and in my third year doing my job for the first time i'd ever done that job my first my third year on tv i was i still had a lot to improve on and while it was public and while people were watching like no one was calling for my head after i flubbed a a hit on the sideline and i think that's the case that we all need to 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 realize and give a little bit of grace i'm not saying you let him go for 10 years if he's not performing but a little bit of grace this is a guy that was a first year head coach that had a lot of work to do from an infrastructure standpoint had a lot of learning to do in terms of being a head coach has made adjustments along the way and i love that he's not saying hey look i knew everything coming in and so i was right about all this stuff and i just need to give it time no like let's adjust a little bit here let's adjust a little bit there let's go plug a hole with that he's done a, a really nice job through the transfer portal as you said like identifying players that can help and plugging them in so I, there's a lot to like from what manny diaz has done and as he has said a number of times like getting better players in the program helps me become a better coach like helps the program become better so that's why i think stability is needed and i can absolutely see manny diaz i think there's enough there to think yeah he is there you cannot discount him as being the guy that that's that's kind of my point like you can't sell him off yet yeah and and i think you know for most miami fans it's just i said this from the get-go when he got hired you know the whole patience thing, like it's not just with Manny Diaz, like it's, it's been 15, like, you know, Herb Street said, it's been 15, 17 years of this. And right. so the tolerance level to wait for a guy has dissipated. And, you know, at the moment, the first moment of struggle, people are just ready to discard. And, you know, I think in a lot of ways, you're right. It, it is a mistake to just go through this cycle again. And Manny brought that up. 
when he talked about it. You're not going to fix this by just discarding the head coach and bringing another guy in. You know, I had a conversation with Manny over the summer where we talked about, you know, because I, I basically said I would have liked to see Miami go after a more experienced head coach, somebody who, um, who had a track record of winning somewhere, you know, because I, I thought they couldn't afford to deal with somebody learning on the job, making mistakes. And he kind of called me out on it this summer when we had a conversation. He said, look, there's just, you know, I'm just a guy just like a lot of other guys. You know, there, there's only one, you know, Urban Meyer and one Nick Saban. And, and you know, the examples of proven winning head coach is there's, there's not a lot out there. Right. I mean, right. all of these guys kind of earn their reputation wherever they go, if they have success or not. And so it, it is awfully difficult um, to build a program. And I, I guess for you, Roddy, what do you see? Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about this game Thursday night next. But what what do you see as the biggest hurdles? Because right now, I think a lot of the fan base wants to see the younger players. If you're in Manny Diaz's shoes, do you want him to play the younger players and say, you know, that's the most important thing, player development. We need to get these guys snaps. Or do you think he needs to stick with his older guys? Because I think a lot of people have already seen what they've done and are like, I'm tired of these guys making the same mistakes. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the year, I'd like to see more of the younger players, but you cannot put the younger players in at the uh, expense of wins because ultimately the biggest hurdle for Manny is going to be continuing the momentum on the recruiting trail. Um, when when the results have not immediately reflected sort of the momentum that they've had, like you get a couple of big five stars in and people automatically think, oh, man, like we're, we're good. Like we got all these guys coming back. We got Derek King coming back. Well, you know, we're going to be great. You take it on the chin, Alabama, Michigan State, and and there's probably another loss or two in there somewhere. So if you go eight and four this season, can you continue that momentum on the recruiting trail? one of the biggest hindrances to doing that is the fan base because after an eight and four season, like if they finish six and two, the rest of the way, or what? Yeah. 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 Eight games left. You got six and two, the rest of the way. It's a pretty good finish, especially if those two losses come to pretty good teams. And like, you got, you got, you got some teams down the line that, you know, can play well. Like if, if North Carolina plays really well, that's a team that, that can absolutely beat you. So, so uh, I, I think that that the biggest hindrance to that could be the fan base after an eight and four season turning on Manny fire the head coach. He's not going to be there. And then it's not very hard for a school, not saying in Alabama, because those guys are sort of in a different category. But let's say another school that's coming down to South Florida. I'll just throw out a school. I don't know how well they're doing in South Florida recruiting, but I'll, I'll just throw out like a, a Tennessee like if a Tennessee's coming down and Josh Heupel with his Florida roots comes down to South Florida and says, hey, look, man, you're going to go to Miami? We don't even know Manny's going to be the coach there. They're calling for his head. That's an issue. That's an issue that Manny Diaz is really going to have to fight. So he, so the answer is sort of twofold. You have to work in those younger guys when they're ready and the mistakes that they make are not going to cost you games. You can't have wholesale changes because then the mistakes cost you games. But if when they're ready... Those mistakes won't cost you games. You work in the younger guys so that you're building towards the future without the losses having to be the the result of it. Because the losses on the losses and the discontent, the disgruntled fan base is going to be a big hindrance to him getting the recruits that he needs to be able to take that step. All right. Uh, let's turn our attention now to Thursday's game. I appreciate you going over all that because th this is to me are like fundamental issues, right? That the fan base is worried about. Right. It's what they want to talk about. But well, and, and Manny, like the other thing, everybody points at Dabo. 
And through all of those losses, like the fan base never turned on Dabo. The momentum was always going in one direction with Dabo. Despite the embarrassing losses, their loss to us on Saturday night in 2011 when they were a great team, that was an embarrassing loss. We were not a great football team. I think we won eight games that year. We were not a great football team. They were better than us. But the fan base never completely turned. Like when you got blown out against West Virginia, yes, he fires the defensive coordinator, gets Brent Venables. That is a change that has changed the tenor of that program. But the fan base was always behind the head coach and the way that program was going. Okay, fair enough. I, I agree. I think the negativity certainly rubs off, and that's really what the, the recruits see more than anything else. It's yeah. it's the atmosphere around the program, not just what they see in the 48 hours that they're on campus. So um, let's turn our attention to Thursday's game. Uh, obviously, Brennan Armstrong has been phenomenal so far this season. Um, I think their passing game and that that huge tight end. I mean, they've got they've got some big playmakers, I guess, on the offensive side of the ball. But you talked about it earlier the defense. I mean, it's been so bad these last two games. Um, how do you sort of view this game, just from an a, an analysis perspective? Where do you see Miami winning this game? Where do you see them potentially losing this game? I think um, if Miami can move the ball consistently and put pressure on Brennan Armstrong, if you can turn this into a shootout, um, then then I think that that you have a shot. Because, look, Virginia's going to move the ball against Miami. I don't think Miami's just going to shut down this Virginia passing game. Nobody really has. Wake Forest probably did the best job of it um, with doing a bunch of different stuff defensively. And and so I, I think containing Brennan Armstrong – they. Virginia cannot run the football like they, they haven't been able to all year outside of Brendan Armstrong. So containing him and and getting into a game where you are having them chase the game, kind of like Wake Forest did. Wake Forest was able to chip away and put distance between them and Virginia early. If you can do that, Amir Miami, that's sort of the recipe that I see because this defense has not been good. So you got to take advantage of it early and pull away. If if you are not able to do that and you are chasing Virginia, then I think you're in trouble because that defense gets a little bit more momentum. The offense really starts to carry them, and, and uh, if they get some, if they get some 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 confidence, that Virginia defense, I think that they could be a crew that starts to believe, hey, we are a good defense that just played two really good offenses. Like they got really good North Carolina, which again, like when you play North Carolina, you have to qualify whether it's Good North Carolina, bad North Carolina. And really, sometimes it comes down to home North Carolina or away North Carolina. <laughs> right. And they got home North Carolina. So and then they got Wake Forest, who's probably the best team in the league right now and one of the best offenses. So if, if they're able to get Miami off the field early and they get some confidence and Brendan Armstrong starts cooking a little bit, that's when this team gets dangerous. But if Miami has offensive success early, then I think they absolutely uh, they absolutely can win the game that way. In terms of matchups. I look at Miami's ability to run the football, especially because uh, North Carolina ran the ball all over Virginia because of the way Virginia played. Tempo kept Virginia from being overly complicated defensively against both North Carolina and and uh, and Wake Forest. But you have to get first downs in order to get in the tempo and get them that way. So if Miami's able to run the football, especially get first downs, get Virginia simple, then I think they should be able to run the ball against them. Uh, this Miami offense has been I, I was somebody asked me to describe them earlier. And, and I think you have to describe them as like dead average. 
in just about everything. Like they're fine everywhere, which is frustrating because we expected this offense to be one of the best in the league. But this is the week where you need to show you can run the football basically at will, especially if Derek King isn't playing. And 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 then you make plays in the past game when when you're, when uh, when you're allowed to. I don't think they'll run by Virginia on defense like North Carolina did. Maybe you can have similar success to Wake Forest, who was able to kind of hit them underneath and get some after catch. Um, but those are kind of the big areas. Oh, and obviously tackling. Like you got to tackle. Right. Yeah. You can't. You can't just have them running all over you. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, Miami's a three-point favorite going into this game. Uh, they get Jalen Knighton back this week off of suspension, which I think will help the running game. He was a guy who started for them at the end of last season, then got hurt, uh, showed flashes. I think him and Cameron Harris, they need two guys in the backfield. It can't just be one guy. Um, you know, Cameron Harris can't be back there blocking on, on every pass, <laughs> pass attempt yeah. either. Yeah. Um, so it, that, that to me is important this week. Um, when you look at the conference as a whole, now you mentioned Wake Forest might be the best team now. Um, let's, let's zero in on the coastal, which is obviously the hardest division to pick every single year Yeah. What, from what you've seen after four weeks, who is the best team in the coastal and who gets the Charlotte? <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, but it's, what, it's, what week, what week are we living in? <laughs> <laughs> because that's really the answer. Um, so, so I think, I think the easiest way to do this is to eliminate teams. Okay. Um, Duke has not been the best team in the coastal. I don't think you can say that we have not seen a performance that makes you think, Oh, that could be the best team in the coastal. I think you could say the same thing about Virginia as good as they've been offensively. That defense is not good. They have not been the best team in the coastal. Uh, to me, you could say the same thing about Miami. I have not right. seen a performance yet that makes you say that's the best team in the coastal. So that leaves you with Pitt, Georgia Tech, which is on the fringes. And I'm keeping this. This may be some hometown bias here. Right. It leaves you with Pitt, Georgia Tech, uh, Miami, and I'm miss. I'm sorry, Pitt, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and I'm missing one. Um, Pitt. Uh, well, here, let me look at the schedule. I've got it up here yeah. on my screen. But uh, just blanked. Who's the other team in the coastal? Virginia Tech. Virginia, Virginia Tech. Tech yeah. The other one. So all of those teams have put out a performance for you where you've thought, hmm, that team can win the Coastal Division. Uh, I think the team that is most consistent and most complete right now is Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And the issue with Pitt is that they play Clemson, which say what you want about Clemson's offense. Like that is still an extremely talented team and it is a hard game. So, so Pitt to me looks the best overall. They have been the most consistent, and it's hard. Like they're a team that lost to Western Michigan, right? But from the performances that you saw from Virginia Tech against Richmond and against West Virginia, like how can you buy into that offense, particularly the performances that North Carolina's had against Virginia Tech and against Georgia Tech? How can you trust them when they leave Keenan Stadium? Uh, the performances that that Georgia Tech had against Northern Illinois. And honestly, offensively, they weren't really good until the second half of the North Carolina game. I don't think you can trust them. So I think by by process of elimination, it's Pittsburgh. Because, yes, that defense was terrible against Western Michigan. Uh, generally, they have been better than that. 
Uh, they they were pretty decent against Tennessee. Joe Milton missed some throws, I know, but but they've been pretty decent against Tennessee. And I just feel like they're the team that figures out their issue the best, uh, maybe along with North Carolina on offense. But but right now, to me, it's Pitt. But like, check with me next week, and it might be somebody else because they play Georgia Tech. So who knows? Well, what if what if Miami comes out Thursday, and suddenly the issues that they've had tackling disappear, and they and they handle Virginia kind of the way other teams have handled Virginia by the last two weeks, where they win convincingly. And you see some stuff out of Tyler Van Dyke in this offense where you're like, okay, maybe they just played two good teams and they had a hangover after losing to Alabama. You know, is there a chance? Is there any scenario where Miami gets back into this? Absolutely. None of these teams are out of it, maybe with the exception of Duke, because I think they've got a ceiling. But all of the rest of these teams, I think the ceiling is high enough to be the Coastal Division champion. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So especially, especially Miami, because the talent is there. Like this is a talented football team that between the ears right now has to get right, whether it's losing to Alabama early and Alabama crushing team souls, or whether it's the outside noise, the injury to Derek King, like quarterbacks rolling through youth, whatever it is, you just got to figure it out between the ears because I absolutely think this team is good enough to win the coastal. And if they go out and they especially control Virginia's offense, then I'll feel better about them going forward. Um, and, and honestly, you can't struggle offensively against that Virginia defense because nobody has. Right. Um, all right. And, and, and we'll close it out with this, the Atlantic, just, uh, your thoughts there. Does, is this the year? I mean, is this the year Clemson finally doesn't get to the ACC championship game or do you think they bounce back? Uh, I, I think this is the year we do not see a Clemson in the ACC championship game. I just have too little faith in that. Off- that offense is like, I don't think we're quite stating enough how bad that offense is. That offense is terrible right now. And if they make significant improvements on that offense, they will just be good. So, uh, like, it's going to take a lot for that to be a really good offense. Can Clemson get there? Sure. In the same way I just talked about Miami. Like, the talent is there. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You have, you have no more you have no more margin for error in that division and like they got Boston College coming to town they got Wake Forest down the line you got I mentioned they play Pitt is this a team that looks like it's going to run the table the rest of the way no and not in my opinion and I don't think you're going to the championship game especially depending on who those two losses are too uh, I don't think you're going to the AC championship game with a two loss with two losses if you're Clemson so I, I think it's either NC State because they've got the win over Clemson right now or it's Wake Forest in my opinion that make it to Charlotte. All right. Roddy, I appreciate all the time you gave me, man. Good luck Thursday night. I hope it, there's no uh, lightning delays. I hope it's Oh, my not- goodness. I oh. mean, listen, man, living in South Florida, I can tell you this is what we experience like every every day. Right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's it's over quickly. And and for Miami fans, I hope it's a W, because honestly, I do not want to deal with the fallout of a Miami loss to Virginia. I, know. I can only imagine, man. But yeah, it should be fun. I can't imagine it being a a, a a blowout in either direction because these teams play close games. It's just kind of what they do. And to me, these teams are fairly well matched with Miami being sort of uh, average on both sides of the football and Virginia being really good on offense and really bad on defense. It that equals out to average. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll you're, you're right. By the way, last one. And uh, anything from talking to Manny Diaz and production meetings and I guess just your overall sense, like what what they're feeling in there right now amid all this. So we have not talked to them. We're recording this on Tuesday. We're going to talk to them on Wednesday, um, which like the whole schedule is thrown off with these Thursday games. So it varies. I will say I just got done watching his press conference 
And a lot of the stuff that I just mentioned, like the fan base and recruits and like how, what they're hearing, like he is feeling that he is hearing that and he sees it. Um, so that is, that is interesting. And, and look, when we talk to him tomorrow, the biggest thing that I'm going to ask him is like, how do you fix the tackling and the physicality and the mentality? Is it just playing the younger players? And obviously like, I mean, you would know as well, probably better than I will. There's still rumblings that Derek could play on Thursday. Right. I'd be surprised to see it, you know, yeah. in his, in his press conference on Monday. He's like, Oh, Derek's starting to move around. So I'm like, that does not bode well for Thursday. No. <laughs> so, so, so then what's the plan at quarterback? Like, do mm-hmm. you see Van Dyke and Garcia? Because he hinted yeah. in his press conference that, that both deserve to play. So what's the plan there? So, well, and then how does Jay, Jalen Knighton fit in? Like, that's going to be a fascinating question for me too. Yeah. Should be fun on Thursday night. Roddy, thank you so much, man. Lots of fun talking to you again, and good luck Thursday. Yeah, appreciate it, Manny. Always good to uh, be on with you. Appreciate you having me on.